What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and today we have an absolutely awesome guest. We are going to sit down and talk with Ashley Muschiati about just a really cool position that she's able to have right now. She works in NASCAR, both in a dual role. She gets the opportunity to train these athletes and also works as a registered dietitian. So she legally is doing the work that a lot of us kind of dip our toe in the water of and might get ourselves in trouble. We're going to get into that a little bit, but also it's such a unique environment, such a unique group of athletes and such a unique position. Ashley, I am stoked to run down these rabbit holes with you today. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, Jay, thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to get talking as well. Yeah, so before we get too far into this, you know, let's let everybody know who is Ashley and how'd you get into stock car racing? Yeah, so I've been in the NASCAR setting for at the end of this season, it'll be two and a half seasons. Um, and I knew absolutely nothing about NASCAR. Um, I'm from Delaware. So the only thing I knew is that they came to Dover once a year, used to be twice a year, but um, that's the only thing I knew. Uh, I was a thrower at Appalachian State. Um, in North Carolina and always knew I wanted to be a strength coach. Strength conditioning was my first love, what I wanted to do for my career. Um, I did a few internships. My first one was with Clemson uh, men's women's basketball. And that was about at the time where I needed to pick what I was doing for grad school. Was I going to get my graduate degree? What was I going to get it in? And um, the basketball strength coach, um, Mike Buley at the time, was like, if I could do it all over again, I would become a registered dietitian as well. And I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, do you know how much work goes into that? Like, you have to know every medication. You have to know tube feedings. I was like, that's pushing it. And the more and more I talked to people and the more and more I looked into it, I was like, yep, this is actually what I want to do to kind of set myself apart from everyone else. Because a lot of the tendency is to go down the exercise science grad program route. Um, so I did a few other internships. I was at Chapel Hill with University of Delaware football um, and then did my um, registered dietitian degree, my nutrition degree uh, at Delaware State University. And when I finished that up, I got a job with Novant Health, which is the hospital system here. And we contract out uh, to like high schools, club coach or club teams, pro teams. We co contract like athletic trainers, the team doctors, all that. So I got contracted out to work with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So I work with our cars here. And then we also have affiliate cars and other teams that use our resources and our facilities. And that's, um, so I end up actually working with nine NASCAR pit crew teams. So the Joe Gibbs teams, the front row motorsport team, one of them, um, the legacy motorsport teams, and then the um, 2311 teams, which is the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin collaboration teams, which is fun. So nine teams total plus some development guys. So that's how I ended up getting into NASCAR, but I just happened by, by luck. It's awesome to hear another person that was under Buley, I mean, first team all good guy. I mean, such a superhuman. Yeah, I actually got to see him a few weeks ago at a conference and catch up with him. But yeah, he was he was my first ever uh, internship director, and I loved it there. Yeah, superhuman. But listen, as we 
move forward with this. A lot of unique challenges. I mean, like, these athletes, um, like, they're different. You know, we talk about how basketball and football players need to train differently, but you're, you're dealing with not just a unique athlete, but a unique just spectrum of humans. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we oh, sorry, go. Yeah, so our guys they come to us after we usually recruit from football, college sports, pro sports, um connections that our coaches have in the field and bring athletes in. So this is basically like their second sport. Everyone's learning from the beginning. Um my youngest is 23 and my oldest is 45. So some of the guys from that are on the older end of that spectrum, um, they were in that generation where they took mechanics from the shop floor and made them pit crew athletes. Um, and then halfway through over the past few years, there's been that big shift of recruiting athletes and teaching them the skill of pitting cars. So we've got a wide range of years, experience, um, limitations, training backgrounds, everything. Yeah, but that's got to make it fun. And it also has to be able to really open up your, your opportunity to wear both of those hats with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, every day is not the same. Um, just in the fact that, um, my guys use the expression that they, they play in traffic for a living. Um, so, some of the injuries we had one guy get his hand smashed by one of the air tanks and another guy got hit by the car and rolled on over landed on one foot like it there's so many different injuries that you're just you don't see and it's not the normal acl tear and all that like so it always keeps you on your toes um our season is 10 months long we go from the set third weekend in February to we end the first weekend in November with really only like one or two weekends off. So some weeks it's great. Some weeks it's you preparing for nine pit stops. Another week you might be preparing for two pit stops and they're gas heavy. Um, so peaking, I mean, we have a playoffs, but I mean, for a 10 year or 10 month season, it's, it's hard to figure out where we're peaking, where we're um, holding back, where we're going hard. So there, there's just a lot of fluctuation that is day to day and week to week. I, I think that one thing that you just said, my jaw just hit the floor where you said when your guys got hit by a car and because we sit here and like we, we joke, right? It's like, oh, it was like a car wreck. Oh yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> it's really is like, I, so how do you prepare these guys? Like, you know, you, you look at it and you think just me being the old, simple kind of Forrest Gump thinking person, like, well, they jump the boards like a hockey player and then they got to be able to carry stuff. But what yeah. other unique, uh, let's just call them challenges. Do these athletes face in their like actual sporting realm? Ooh, um, 
I guess the key is like kind of how you're saying like jumping over the boards like in hockey and stuff like that like a lot of it is looking at the biomechanics or the metabolic needs of the sport and kind of I mean there's really no data in NASCAR I mean there's few teams um, not a lot of sharing of information between teams so all the data I have all the information I have is all that's really out there Um, so a lot of it's like comparing what I know to like what are some of the demands of other sports and like what I know they would need for that um depends so like our our gas man has to carry a 90 pound um gas tank on his shoulder uh and then throw an empty gas tank back and receive another full one um our tire carriers are carrying two tires on their side then have to dip down and put a tire on the car and run back around with another tire um our jack man has to be able to have precision to find the spot where he needs to put the jack and then quickly jack up the car and then hang a tire he's like our quarterback and then our tire changers I mean it used to be a five lug car so that typical NASCAR five like that um now it's just a one lug on and off so um it's a lot more room for error because if that lug that's not tight then and that that pit gun's pretty heavy and you're attached to a, a air hose. So there's air hoses on the ground. There's people jumping over to hand the driver water bottles. It's a whole big moving part. And on top of that, the garage opens four hours before a race. So they are setting up their pit boxes. They're moving tires, filling up gas cans um, for four hours before a anywhere from two to four, five hour long race. Um, so there's just so many things that people don't see other than most people just see as the cars are going around, um, on television or if they're at the track, but there's so much more throughout the day. They're flying in day of flying out day of. Um, so there's a lot more that goes on that these guys have to deal with that has to also be taken into consideration. So walk me through the process of. I don't know, teaching these athletes, like that's a, that's a six hour competitive day. Yeah. Like we think football games are long, like, and, and not only is it a six hour day, it's a six hour day. Most of the time in the dead of summer Mm -hmm. in a, in a state below the Mason Dixon line on pavement with automobiles, radiating heat in a fire suit with a helmet on like yeah holy mackerel they're in so they've got fireproof underwear like so full-on like leggings uh long sleeve shirt plus their uh, their fireproof fire suit um helmet all of that um and i mean they face everything i think our first race it was snowing um in in california up in fontana and then they go heat, rain, all of that. Um, so there's a lot of different things. When looking at the training side, like I said, my I've got people that come from different backgrounds. So um, I'll just use a few for example. I have one that is about a year and a half in that came from Alabama football. Um, and then I have other guys that came from a hockey background. The hockey player has never Olympic lifted before in his life. The guy from Alabama football 
enjoys Olympic lifting and after assessing him, he's good at it. So it takes a little bit more of an individual route. Like, yes, every tire changer needs similar things. So that's kind of where I, I build my general program of like, here's what I am aiming for. Here's my goals for this block, this part of the season for this position. And then I kind of have to do like a little plug and chug for each individual, like some of my older athletes need a lot more mobility. Actually, all my guys need mobility, um, but some of my older guys need a lot more maintenance than my younger guys that are just coming into the sport and learning the sport because no one ever grows up. I think I have one guy that grew up and was like, I'm going to be in the pit crew. But most most people don't grow up and say, I'm going to be in the pit crew one day. It's, it's always a secondary job, a secondary sport. Um, so being able to adapt is a big thing. Um, same with nutrition. It's these guys come in and they might have a race day and it's rained out. And I'm of course coming in, I'm like, okay, well you can choose some healthier options. There's this on the truck, all of these things. And then I sat through a six hour rain delay and I was like, yep, I reached for the ice cream as well. So, um, there's just so much that can go on and can change from race to race that, you just have to be very adaptable and even person to person. So. Well, now that you started talking about the nutrition aspect, and we talked a little bit before we started recording about how those two in my thought was they could be conflicting, right? Where you're so focused on the nutrition or hydration aspect at one point, but they need to be training and the training part is like, but they need to do X, Y, and Z for recovery. When in reality, you find that those two co-mingle really well together. Yeah. And the funny thing that you say that is I've, uh, I've talked to some dietitians as well, especially as I was doing my dietetic internship. And um, I asked what their thought was like, do you think someone can be a dual role? And a lot of people said no. Um, but I actually find that at least in this small setting, it helps increase the buy-in um, just because if an athlete already trusts you to put weight on their back and trust them, trust you with your body, with trust you with their body in the sports performance, in the strength and conditioning realm, then there's already that level of trust to now tell them what to put into their bodies that is already there. Plus, at least in this small setting, guys will come into the weight room, they might be sluggish, and I can start that conversation without, like, I know when I was in the college setting, I'd say, hey, go see the athletic trainer, hey, go see the dietitian, and you'd follow up with a dietitian or the strength or the athletic trainer, and that athlete never actually made it there. So being able to kind of make that one person with the smaller group of athletes has been very beneficial to be able to pair it and provide a little bit more of a full or well-rounded sports performance prescription. Yeah, because, you know, there is issues to those of us who aren't licensed nutritionists and registered dietitians providing some specific examples. Yeah. Yep, and that was ultimately the main reason why, um, one of the reasons why Coach Bewley had kind of directed me in this route and 
especially in the college setting where there's a lot of colleges have strength coaches, multiple strength coaches, and maybe one or two dietitians. Like the the number of dietitians at programs have definitely increased, which is is definitely necessary because two dietitians for twenty teams is overworking um, and just overloading that dietitian. So, but being able to provide both and that strength coach legally being able to prescribe or to give out supplements and stuff like that just provided more of a benefit for the organization I'd be working for as well. So that was one of the, the thoughts behind it as well, which is definitely proven to be true. Yeah. And I would also think, you know, obviously like with younger coaches, there's all these people complaining on Twitter about money and getting jobs and all this, but I, I would have to think that if you can tick both of those boxes, right, your CSCS and or CSCCA and you're an RD, like that would have to open doors for you. Now you're probably going to be busy. You're mm-hmm. probably going to have a lot of work if you're in an athletic department, but I would just think that that's something that could really be beneficial. So instead, and I love the path that you took, like instead of going down the road that we all traveled, it's like, well, let me do this instead because this could increase my marketability. Yeah. And I mean, there are still times where I'm like maybe getting my master's in exercise science to continue learning. Cause like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with getting your master's. I'm, in exercise science like that is valuable information the experience you get with that is great I think during my time where I was interning in my dietetic internship and nutrition I was of course I wasn't being able to put in that same effort in the in the strength conditioning side so at times I do get pulled in like certain in certain ways um, that can make me have to do extra work on the other end to kind of catch up with the rest of the field in both sectors I could say Um, but yeah, I will say like a lot of places I knew I was going to face this too, is wanting to basically get two for one and like take advantage of the dual role. But I think the more and more, I think COVID made us all realize too, like our worth and our, the, the positions we hold and not undervaluing ourselves. So there's definitely something to say in fighting for and speaking out for what you know your your potential is and also not settling for being taken advantage of in the field oh, 100% unfortunately though sometimes that's harder than it's easier said than done oh absolutely i mean yeah like i, I will say i haven't even fully gotten there too but it's it's something that we're all going to face but um yeah, it's just. Well, when we look uh, at the, the men that you get to work with, right? Yeah. Let's talk about race day. Okay. Let's talk about. They are in these suits. Sweating their faces off, trying to be able to see and do all these things. The education process into that, into what is required for them on race day nutritionally hydration wise and the such i think is a 
a big lesson that a lot of people that work in a larger team sport can, can take from this. Because at the end of the day, the best coaches are the best teachers. So what are some ways that you're teaching these guys how they can best improve their performance through what they're setting themselves up with throughout the day? Yeah. So I actually don't really get to travel. I get to travel to, I get to go to four races a year, um, which out of our 36 race season, four is very, um, very limited. And we can go as close as an hour down the road to West coast. We have a West coast swing where we go three West coast races in a, in three weeks. So they're going back and forth West coast to East coast, uh, three weeks in a row. Um, so it, a lot of it is the education because I need to make sure that they have the tools and the resources necessary to be able to operate without me there. Um, which that we don't have a training table, all of that. And they go home and they've got kids and wives at home that, and schedules that pull them out until eight o'clock at night doing kids sports. So the education is a really big um, part of what I do. Um, so for, we do a lot of, we have a, we do have a fuel station here. So I use that to, for using a lot of like nudges, um, education throughout that fuel station of teaching when is the right time to eat? What should you be eating at, at the, uh, at each part of the day? And then having that there sparks conversations. So then if you can give a little bit of a nudge here, a little bit of a nudge there, then they'll continue to ask for more. Um, I meet with each guy individually. And then um, it's more just as soon as you take, not everything's going to change in one day. I'm really big into finding what the problem is at the current moment and taking the time to really figure out and work out all of those details and then move on to the next thing. Because if you try to do everything and change your whole race day diet, your whole race day plan in one try, it's going to fail miserably and you're going to lose buy-in and you're going to lose athletes trust there because they're going to be like, this didn't work. So whether it's eating before a race, okay, let's just try building this plate, eating before a race, eating three hours before, if you can, again, the timing is a little bit tricky with them having to set everything up. Um, they do get time to eat, but finding those little things and working them out and perfecting them and then moving on. Um, oh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that our hauler drivers, which are the big trucks that take the cars to the track, they not only are hauler drivers, but they're also our chefs for the weekend. Some teams use, some of my teams use a catering service at the track and some of them use our hauler drivers. So like the Gibbs cars are for, for hauler drivers are the chefs. So a lot of it was education elsewhere, not even to my athletes. They knew what they needed race day, but the people cooking for them didn't. And they've also got the road crew who doesn't need to go over the wall. They still help, but their, their nutrient timing and all that did, wasn't the same for the guys that are actively performing nine, 10. I mean, we even hit below nine second pit stops this year. Um, so 
educating those hauler drivers and trying to help them find resources to not make their day even more difficult, but also get what I needed in terms of the weight or in terms of um, the athlete's nutrition for race day. Um, so working with them. And then I like to use the term that like, I have to sometimes find the band-aids and because I can't always be there. So our guys get there four hours before they fly in. Uh, if it's a West Coast swing they'll fly, or a West Coast race, they'll fly out the night before, but they'll fly in, get there four hours before the race, get to the track, do their setup for four hours, sit through the race. And then right after that, they're tearing down their pit box, changing and driving back to the plane. And usually the catering on the plane on the way back is pizza, um, which is not the best because then they get home at two, three in the morning and then they're already in a deficit in terms of recovery, in terms of calories and all of that um, leading into the next week. So then the deficit just keeps piling up and over the, over the 10 months can really make a big difference come the chase, come the playoffs. So um, we do like snack bags. So today, the Thursday is the guy's last day in before the race. So we put out um, meal replacement shakes. So something that they know it's not a full meal replacement. They know it's just extra calories to add to whatever is on the plane. Um, we put out carb based like um, waffles and chews that they can take for the middle of the race because sometimes the hauler drivers put out chips in the middle um we tried a catering service one time and they brought out ribs and i was just started laughing because it's first of all i was like you're not gonna bring any napkins either like and these guys have oil all over their hands so my guys have to be able to be prepared in case they don't have the resources at the track um, so that's a lot of the education that goes into my day-to-day to then get to the track First of all, as a uh, amateur C minus level barbecue smoker uh, person, I love the ribs. <laughs> and then you say they've got oil all over their hands. Like, talk about a unique, just because we all give athletes something at halftime, right? Like the snack or whatever. And you can just throw it to them and they can eat it. Mm-hmm. But this guy's got motor oil all over him. This guy's got grease all over him. This, like another unique, um, a unique challenge that continues to make you have to work on your creativity. Um, also, though, wanted to to go back. You know, sometimes I have to find ba- find the band aids, which is a great statement. It's a great term because I think we all at times need to. Um, but this is not like band-aids because the guy's got hit by a car. This is band-aids to fix the little things like to, to try to stop, you know, the, the water coming into the boat, so to say. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we like to think that we can fix everyone's problems and be there for everyone all the time, but that's, that's not the case. And I've learned that because like, I can't be there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm only allowed to travel to four races in this position. So if I can't be there to actively help you and be able to say, Hey, are you drinking enough? Um, It was 
I actually did get to go to Richmond a few weekends ago and it was probably the hottest race they've had so far this year. And I was actually able to be like, Hey, how are you feeling? Are you drinking enough? Make sure they weren't going into uh, like heat exhaustion or anything like that. Um, so a lot of the times it's like, okay, well, what can I do? What can I provide? What resources can I provide? What help can I give? Like, is there anyone at the track I can reach out to, to say, Hey, so-and-so needs like, like the hauler drivers. Hey, can we get some hydration stuff on the haulers um, or on the pit boxes to be able to grab? And most of the hauler drivers are all for it. Um, so what are my resources? What are, who can help me? And also like, what what education what support can I give to the athlete to ultimately they're the ones making the choices that day so um what can I provide to them to help and again fix put that band-aid on when they don't have everything it's other people making the decisions for them how can they best improve their performance for that day with taking things into their own hands so yeah, I mean, because really, at the end of the day, no matter what we do, whether we're trying to teach them what to do in the weight room or you're trying to educate them with proper fueling and, and that such, the goal is to put them in a situation where they're educated enough to know the right decision to make, right? It's just yeah. the, the difference between... uh what is it? Knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom yeah. is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Yep. Um, exactly. But yeah, like teaching these people and helping them grow and helping them keep continuing to find better ways to better be better for themselves. Exactly. And it kind of carries over into their day to day and like not as much race day. Cause I'll hear a lot of, I have to take, pick my kids up from school, especially now that school's starting back up here. Um, I have to go pick my kids up from school and then they have football practice and um, it's like, I don't have time to meal prep because then there are days that they're gone are Sundays. So that's mostly everyone's day to kind of go grocery shopping and all that. They're away, they're working all day. So some of the like band-aids we would find are, okay, well, are your kids old enough to help you in the kitchen? Because not only does that, get what you need like you can spend they're like I only have so much time with my with my family with my kids I want to spend that with my family so okay well can we bring the kids into the kitchen or can we do a little date night with your wife and prep all your food and find different recipes and test things out and teach kids knife skills I mean not only does that get you your meal prep for the week but it also teaches kids good relationships with food from a young age teaches them how to be safe in a kitchen. I mean, there's so much more than just being in the kitchen with your, with your family. So like, again, the, the band-aids go not only on race day, but also how can I get what they need nutritionally from a day-to-day -day standpoint as a pit crew athlete when they're outside the three to four hours that they're with me a day. Sounds like a fun challenge though. It is. Makes you, makes you think on your toes real quick. No, that's awesome. Well, Ashley, this has been an absolutely awesome 30 minutes. I'm really excited that you got to be able to sit down and talk with us today. Really grateful for your time. But before we get you out of here, let's make sure people know where they can give you a follow and see what you're doing on the socials and all that. 
yeah um i'm on twitter and instagram i had i did tiktok for a while like it i give credit to anyone that is full-time on tiktok because that is a lot of work um but yeah it's I, my for some reason i think someone had like one of my names on twitter so they ended i had to do something different um but i think it's like coach ashley m I'd have to double check um coach ashley m on twitter and then just a muschiati on instagram um but yeah i can give you those to put in the notes or people are looking to contact me um but yeah no happy to answer any questions and talk more i love i love introducing people to the sports performance side of of the nascar setting so no awesome we'll make sure that those are in the notes and make sure y'all give her a follow and, and check in with what she's doing. Cause this is really, it's really some cool stuff. And it's even above and beyond all of it. I think it's really like intriguing to me because it's so different and it sounds so fun. It is. It is. I, I will not lie there. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ash truly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch real soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great. And as always, thank you. For everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.